Hi everyone, welcome back to Let's Take a Moment. I hope you're all having a fantastic week. Uh, today, I want to have a look at Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Now, this is what I consider to be a good starting point for getting yourself thinking about psychology and motivation and where you sit in life because it's a very logical system. It's not hugely complicated. You're not going to read a book on it that's like you know 500 pages long. The concept itself is quite simple and you often see the pyramid uh, with different colours. And that can often be enough to just get you thinking without reading any of the complex psychological theory behind it. And I was told off a friend of mine, Dave, that, uh, and obviously check his podcast out, Restless Midlifer, that actually Maslow never actually depicted it in that image form that was done by other people. But they definitely enhanced it. Um, and the concept behind the psychology is that we have, as human beings, two types of needs. We have deficiency needs and we have growth needs. And the five-stage model, or eight-stage, depending on how deep you want to go into it, can be divided into these deficiency and growth needs. And the first four levels are referred to as the deficiency needs, or D needs, and the top level is, north, is known sorry, as growth or being needs, or B needs. The, the principle behind it is that we have to fulfill our deficiency needs before we go on to the growth needs, i.e., if you have any sort of deprivation in your life, this is said to motivate people more when they're unmet. And a great example of this, for example, is the longer someone goes without food, the more hungry you'll become and the more important that finding food will be. Whereas if you have food in abundance, like the vast majority of us do, we don't really think about it too much. We think about more to do with choosing what we eat rather than needing to find food and that's a luxury that a lot of us enjoy um, and means that we don't have to worry about it um, and Maslow initially stated that the lower level needs have to be met before progressing to higher level um, and when a, defic a deficient need has been more or less satisfied and he uses that quote more or less satisfied it goes away now this is interesting um, because our habits then become directed towards meeting the next set of needs that we've yet to satisfy. And this is a good point, because if you think about it, if you won the lottery, once you'd got past the euphoria of winning the lottery and the, and the joy of having that wealth, and obviously hopefully you'd make good choices if you did that, you would instantly stop really bothering about money at that point. If you won enough where it was never really an issue and that you weren't sort of blowing through it fast enough where you were going to run out, Say you had like 20 million, you just put it in a sort of an annuity fund of some sort and you were getting an income of, I don't know, I'm trying to work out what it would be, say 100 grand a year for the rest of your life and you got this paid monthly. So you're making sort of, you know, six or seven thousand pound a month in your bank and you're living off that. You could do that reasonably comfortably and you'd, as long as you're not going absolutely berserk, you don't really have to worry about money as such. You know, you've got everything covered, you've probably got your mortgage paid off, nice house, all the big stuff's taken care of you know the money's always there if you need it, you'd very quickly stop worrying about it and you'd think about other things. You'd start to move up the ladder and you'd think about other stuff. So we're going to go through it in part two and we're going to have a look at each section and then we're going to have a chat about how uh, how we could use this to our advantage. Um, so I'm not going to spend too long discussing the, the concept, but I will move on to 
how that you can apply it to your own life and how it helps us understand where we are and how we can, you know, not say sorry for what we are. You know, there's certain things you might not be doing now that you then realise that, you know, oh, I feel like I should be doing more philanthropic work. I should be doing more protests in the street. I should be out doing politics, for example, like da 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 and you might feel that you can't do that because you have other needs. Well, actually, you're probably on a different part of the hierarchy than other people who have time to do that. But anyway, let's take a breath. Let's have a break and we'll be back for part two. Right, in part two, we're going to look at each of the levels and then we're going to talk about them and how they apply to us. I think the first thing to say is that these levels, in my opinion, are quite fluid. So you're not going to be stuck in level one and never thinking about two, three, four or five. Um, you're going to be flexible. So if you're talking about what I would have in a, in a graphic, I would have the, the first color maybe red because that's the most important ones. And I would have it like as a gradient going into other colors because you can be, I think it would almost like a, like, a, like a big hall where you have number five at one end, number one at the other end. You're walking towards it. So you're never like, you know, I'm out of one and into two. You're just sort of in that area because, for example, the first level is physiological needs. These are biological requirements for human survival. That's how it's defined as. And you're talking about things like air, food, drink, shelter, clothing, warmth, sleep. And Maslow includes sex in that. But I'm not sure if I would. I don't want to get into a huge conversation about sex. But I do think that there's quite a few people who are quite happily in levels two, three or even four who don't have it either through that they haven't got a partner or they, they choose not to. I don't think that's a, a, a sort of be-all and end-all in terms of level one. However, like I've just said, it's a, it's a progression. So you can, we never, for example, forget about food. We never forget to buy our food if we're working on our level two or three needs. Um, so it's just remembering there's that flexibility in there for you. But it's just generally speaking. And you can understand at the end of the day, if you don't have any of those important things, that will most likely be your primary focus. And that's the, the point of Maslow and the hierarchy of needs. So moving on to number two, uh, this is safety needs. So once an individual's physiological needs are satisfied, um, my computer has just decided to inexplicably crash. So just bear with me one moment. Sorry about that. Um, the safety needs, so once the individual's physiological needs are satisfied, the needs for security and safety become more important. So one and two are sort of, you could kind of mix them up together in a way. And this is the point, deficiency needs are about what you need. So it's like all part of the same things. So you'll never sort of click from one to two, but you'll be aware that they're important. Um, one being slightly more so in terms of, you know, where your mind would be if you didn't have them. Um, the hierarchy says that people want to experience order, predictability and have control of their lives. And these needs can be fulfilled by the family and by society. So, for example, a few things that would be in number two would be emotional security, financial security, i.e. having a job, social welfare, um, law and order, freedom from fear, social stability, property, health. Um, and for example, that could be safety against accidents and injuries. So you'll start to think about, you know, is your home safe? For example, if you had a house, but it was full of danger and knives sticking out the floor and everything, you would you would address those. You know, it's a crazy example, but that's number two. So you've, you've got your basics sorted. You're now making sure that your 
you know, security and safety is, is there. So, for example, you'd make sure you had good locks on your property door. You wouldn't worry about locks on your property door before you had the house. Um, so we move into number three. And this is called love and belongingness, belongingness needs. So after all of the psych, physiological, got some big words. <laughs> so love and belongingness needs after physiological and safety needs have been fulfilled. The third level of human needs is social and involves you feeling like you belong. So belongingness refers to it's a human emotional need for interpersonal relationships, affiliations, feeling connected and being part of a group. And then some examples of these, which I'm sure you know, are friendship, intimacy, trust, acceptance, receiving and the giving of affection and love itself. Now, I would say that during COVID-19, love and belongingness, we felt love maybe through video communication, through Zoom, through Teams, but we lost that interpersonal relationship, particularly someone like myself. I live by myself and I found the first 12 weeks where we had the full lockdown, where it was absolutely against the law to leave your home just to get food. You weren't allowed to speak to anyone. You know, you had to keep your distance. It was fully masked. It was, the, the world was completely disjointed socially. And it was difficult for people. And I'm by no means someone who had the worst of it, by no means at all. Um, but there were some people who were absolutely on their own and, and really miserable. And I had a sense of it. Um, I kind of just, I think what got me through it was the sense of um, the fact that I had stuff to do. I had a job. I was also, I'm, I'm someone who's never sad to, I'm never struggling to fill my time in, in terms of playing video games or, or doing something. So I quite enjoyed the freedom. But I, and, and there was kind of a novelty element, I think, to the first lockdown. But I think we definitely saw it over time where people were were really struggling. And for those real social beavers out there, because I'm probably more on the sort of independent, stroke, isolated side of, of humanity, I think. Although I do love people. I love being around nice people. And I, I'm always grateful for a friend coming around, good conversation, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, and I love the idea of talking to you guys. You know, I'm, I'm someone who loves the, you know, one-to-one, definitely um but for people who are used to maybe going out three or four or five nights a week playing darts in a big crowded pub and just all that that just went i don't think it's ever really came back um so that so three maybe a lot of people thought about three during covid a lot more than one and two because we had the furlough scheme you know whilst people might be struggling they had something um and and this is where i think the vast majority of us are sort of sitting is somewhere in between three and four and five uh, because most of us have, you know, especially if you're able to listen to a podcast, if you have time to, uh, if you have a, a smartphone that you're able to pay for and you're able to have internet to listen and download, you probably have one and two taken care of, most likely. Um, so the fourth level is esteem needs. Now these, so basically where we're at now in life at this point, if we're into number four, we have all the basic needs taken care of. We live in a safe and secure environment and we are belonged, sense of belonging. We're in groups, we have friends, we were loved, you know, all that sort of good stuff. We're now into esteem needs. So this is where Maslow says that we start to think about self-worth, accomplishment and respect. And he classed esteem needs in two categories, i.e. esteem for ourselves in terms of dignity, achievement, mastery, independence, and a desire for reputation or respect from others, i.e. status or prestige. Uh, and Maslow indicated that the need for respect or reputation is the most important for children and adolescents and precedes real self-esteem or dignity. So that's quite interesting. I'm not going to get too much into that. All I'm going to say is that 
you can sometimes have elements of three and four together. In fact, all of them, all of the, the growth needs, and they're all sort of interlinked, I think, and it's important to stress that. Um, so the fourth level, I've actually found myself in that group for quite a long time where I'm was in, I'm in a decent job, but I'm quite low down the pecking order. So I don't really get anyone coming to me saying, you know, we have this strategic problem. I'd love to hear your opinion on it. And it's actually a little bit of a, a management technique, actually, if, if you're working in a business, is to pull one of your lower ranked, and I, I hate that term, but, you know, we, it's a hierarchical system in, in jobs. Pull one of your low ranked colleagues to one side and ask their opinion. And you'll see the reaction, the positive reaction that the chest will come out and they'll feel worthwhile and it's one of the biggest gifts you can give to people is the gift of making them feel important and actually my one of my bosses is excellent at doing that and and did it to me in, in a and I'm someone who you know I'm aware of Maslow I'm, I'm someone who's been a, a counsellor I had a perception at least in my own mind that I had some status that was taken away when I lost my seat and just one time my boss just happened to say this is what's happening it was a big deal for the company and I'm not like I'm not a shareholder I'm nowhere near probably I'm in the bottom I don't know maybe 80% in terms of, of hierarchy in terms of rank and um, my boss said to me so we've got this this big problem at work I've got this situation to deal with it was related to regulatory affairs and government and an impact that it would have on the business and he asked me what I thought and it was like almost emotional you know I was like wow this he wants to hear what I've got to say and he listened basic stuff but it made me feel amazing and I wasn't it wasn't lost on me the technique that was being used but I still appreciated it and it's an amazing feeling just to give people that make people feel important and they'll do anything for you because you know we, we live in a, in a class system in terms of, of work in terms of so even society in some ways and I think a lot of the problems that we come across with people is that they don't feel like they're listened to so when we get protests in the street that's because people don't feel they're listened to. They don't feel that politics or the rule-making listens to them. Now, there are obviously difficulties I could get into about if it's your single view, you have millions of people with that, you know, different single views, and it's impossible to cater to everybody. However, the point's the same, that it's about dignity, respect, a feeling that you're worthy, and, and that can... Be very difficult to find and if you're at a situation in life where you have all the other stuff taken care of that's when you start seeing uh, the esteem needs out there and you see it a lot from from small business owners where they um maybe run a business and they have it very much branded around themselves now you kind of get away from that in some in some uh, professions but sometimes you see someone who it's very much their face on everything and this is my view on this, this is my view on that. And they're trying to build a brand, yes, but there is an element of, of ego there. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think the thing to take away from number four is that this is a human need. So you don't, you shouldn't feel like you're a bad person for wanting to be, had a bit of status or, or have a bit of prestige in what you do and being proud of what you do and have people admire and respect it. It's completely normal. And, and you shouldn't feel bad about it. But they're obviously, in all of these, there are extremes that you take too far. But just remember, this is a need that we have as, as humans, this need to be, to, to have achievement, and to have that achievement recognised from other people. You know, it's, it's no, it's, you, and it's just a great example of this, a very general one, is that if you've ever achieved something really good, you want to tell somebody about it. 
you want a spouse to congratulate you and tell them that you're proud of you. You want to tell your parents. You want to, you know, even even as we get older, it's still nice to tell family that you've done something good and and have them look impressed. You know, we all like that. Uh, when I played pool, a big part of the attraction was the people admired me for being good at it. And if you'd have said, well, you can play and you can achieve and win everything, but nobody will ever know it's you. Would I have wanted to do that? Well, I probably still would have wanted to do it, but I would have thought, damn, I wish I could tell people. Um, so moving into number five, uh, this is the highest level in Maslow's hierarchy, and this refers to the realisation of a person's potential, self-fulfilment, seeking personal growth, and peak, peak experiences. So what you have to remember at this point, when you're looking at self-actualization needs, you have a sense of belonging at number three, you have esteem for yourself and you have respect from others and the self-actualization is when you're really getting into the sort of how do i how do i even how do i take it to the next level literally how do i make my myself and my life even better so um and this uh type of focus can be can be shown in some examples for example it can be expressed creatively in paintings pictures or, or inventing things um, it may be that they start focusing on being a, a, the perfect parent, for example, or a way to give back. And I always have a, a particular example. I have no idea why this person sticks out in my mind, but I think it's because I'm about the same age as him. I remember when Justin Rose, the golfer, broke onto the scene in 1998 when he finished in fourth place at the Open, the British Open, big golf tournament. Came out of nowhere, and he was just this young, very shy 17 year old very tall brilliant golfer and he came forth an amazing achievement and he went from sort of zero to massively high profile literally almost literally overnight and in terms of, of Maslow at that point he was just you know happy to be there when he got his first paycheck which I, I don't know what he would have got paid for that maybe 100k amazing amount of money for him at the time amazing amount of money generally but depends how much it affects you depends on how much you've got and if you fast forward now, you know, nearly 25 years later, you see a very different person. You see someone who is a, is a professional athlete, looks a lot different, he's a lot leaner, he's, he's has, a, you know, personal trainers, dietitians, and works very hard. And that's another point, he has worked very hard, he's, he's earned everything he's got. He's a very confident man, he's a very wealthy man, and he has the Justin Rose Foundation, which is his charitable arm of his, where he's put wealth in, and he gives to charitable companies and him and his wife uh, spend a lot of their time now working on that side of it because he's got everything else. All of the other levels are satisfied and he's focusing on his legacy, his self-actualization. How can he give back because he's, he's done so well in life, he's been so successful, so talented. And this is, you know, so that's the type of thing that you see. So now that we've gone through what it is, um, how does it apply to you? Well, I've... I guess I can tell you how it applies to me first. This is a starting point. It's just, again, all designed to get you thinking about where you are. Generally, I think most people are between three and four. I think most people have the safety. I think most people are looking for... And you can have you can look for both things. You don't have to, you know, I'm in box three, so I'm not interested in any esteem needs or independence or any sort of reputational improvement. Now, and again, another thing is that this is a perception an individual perception. So I think most people sit within three or four, I'll come back to that point, and people are looking for generally some sort of love 
and they're but again that being admired is a form of love so I guess it's the right point now to say that these things are perceptions of that you feel some people might feel that having a million pounds in this day and age isn't actually a load of money in terms of security for life it used to be maybe in the 70s and 80s if you had a million pounds you, you could be fairly confident you could you could turn that into a lifetime of of having money these days it's a hell of a lot of money but you're probably on planning on quitting work in terms of I've got a million pounds, I'm quitting and I'll never see you again. Maybe five or ten you could think about doing that. And you'd have to manage it properly, like I say, you can still, you know, waste it all and get rid of it all. But generally, um it's a you know, it's not a it's not a hundred million, <laughs> it's not a billion, right? So I think like I say, it's in a perception. So some people might say, I'm working on number five and you're thinking well, hang on, you, you don't actually have that much money. But if they're happy with it, you know, it all depends where you're putting your focus. So these are general things. So there's no sort of hard and fast rules where someone says, I'm sorry, mate, you're, you're after esteem and you, you need more money. A lot of people, and I think I put myself in this category, I look at uh, three about being involved in things and I see that as perhaps starting a business, perhaps starting a coaching business. And I'd be involved with that. That would get me more interpersonal relationships. It would give me a sense of belonging. It would connect me to the world a bit more because I'd have to find clients and network. And it would also give me an esteem of that would having a business that worked would build esteem in myself. And it would give me a sense of dignity, achievement, mastery, because I wouldn't be serving bosses and having to be told what to do and all that sort of thing. And it would the desire for reputation. If you own a business, you, you're in charge. You put yourself front and center and you're... You're there and people, they don't have to admire you for it, but they have to at least acknowledge that you're in charge of that business and you are the person running it and you're the person delivering the service and you're the person who's getting the, the reward for it. So you can actually use other things to build your way through this and it's self-actualization as well. If you want to be a fulfilled person and have great personal growth, start a business. So actually starting a business can actually get you into all of the different areas. And I think that's that's maybe why it's such a it has appeal to so many people because it can actually jump you from right down the bottom to up at the top. And all the way through this there's an element of of, of money I suppose. And actually it's interesting to note that Maslow basically says that after number 2, after you get your safety and security, we're actually interested in other things. And money can deliver some of these other things. But it's not actually the, the, the means to an end in itself. So, you know, there's an element of, of sort of, um, not socialism as such, but it, you can make an argument that it's slightly left of centre where it's talking more about world impact than it is the, the pursuit of more. And that's, you know, it's not a political hierarchy, but you can, someone like me who I've dealt with a lot of people who are very uh, socialist in tendency and sometimes even more left than that and heading into communism. Um, and I've I've kind of thought a lot about where they sit. And I think they would identify with this because it talks more about love, esteem, self-actualization, the growth needs where some people who are fervently capitalist, for example, who just want more money for the sake of having more money, it's a case of keeping score, take a game. Um, they maybe don't ever get past that kind of game element of, of making more and having more. But on the other hand, you just never know what's going to happen in the world economy. You know, if 
if you have all your the, one of the biggest problems with having money and we will talk about money on another podcast not that i'm a particular expert but i've thought a lot about the concepts of it if you have a lot of money one of the biggest problems is what what earth do you do with it because you can't put it in a box in your loft in case your house burns down or you get robbed you know, and you're not supposed to, you know, most, a lot of places nowadays don't really want cash. You know, you put it in property, well, that was seen as a sure thing. And then we had the property crash and, and prices haven't really gone crazy since maybe the 90s. You know, they, they go up steadily. They've definitely had a jump in the last couple of years, but you just never know what's going to happen. It's not a, it's not a way of putting, you know, a hundred grand into a property and expect it to be 400 grand in 20 years. Uh, that is not going to happen really, but it's a good investment. Don't get me wrong. But it's not, you know, a surefire win in the way that it used to be and, and absolutely lucrative. Um, but again, you know, what investments do you invest in? What shares, do, you know, dividends, blah, blah, blah. So there's all these kind of, if you're obsessed with money only, you're never getting into the, the sort of esteem stuff that I think sometimes comes with it because it can be the vehicle to get those things, as I've just said. But it's just worth thinking about. So I've talked for quite a long time and I'm probably going to call it a day just there for now. Um, but just remember that this is a good starting point. It'll get you thinking about where you are on the list. Most people, I think, will be between three and five. I'm between three and four. I definitely would like to have more reputation. Maybe that's why I even started this podcast, because at least you're listening to me. And I get a kick out of that. I'm not going to lie. I've I'm not someone who's ever had status and respect given to me very easily. So I'm not someone who you know, strutted into the, the council when I was a politician and had everyone fawning over me as a future leader. It does happen to some people, it didn't happen to me. Um, and I, was, I never resented that too much, but I used to think, you know, it would be nice to have a little bit of respect somewhere. And a lot of it is how you perceive yourself as well. Because I was chair of a scrutiny committee, never really gave much thought as to whether people thought I deserved that or not. Or even the fact that as being a councillor, most people hated me anyway just because I was there because they hate all politicians because that's our national sport. I never saw myself as a politician, but I valued having the role. And even if everybody hated me, that's maybe where my stubbornness kicked in a little bit because I didn't really care what they thought. I quite liked it. I quite enjoyed it. And I quite found myself getting a kick out of the fact that I had that post and there was only two of us in the in the whole town who who had it. So I got a, you know... Probably not the best reason to do it, if I'm honest. I did enjoy doing the job and helping people, at least helping the nice people, I'll be honest. Um, but now I'm looking for other things. But there's still that thread going through it where, you know, I've always fancied being a coach and a trainer. And you have that elevated position, um, that status and prestige that's definitely part of level four. So I definitely recommend that you read Maslow and, and certainly... I think it's interesting to to give cut yourself a break, you know, if and understand if you're not able to spend loads of times in social activism and you you wish that you could do more and more in that respect, but you're having you know level two problems or level three problems, and you've got, you've got to tend to them first, you know, take your time, understand where you are in life and why the why your focus is where it is. And then you'll gradually start to understand the power of this. I think it's a good starting point. It's not something to sort of it's not a life code to live by. It just explains how we work as people. And I think that's quite effective. So thank you for listening. I look forward to seeing you on the next Let's Take a Moment podcast. Have a great day. And I look forward to speaking to you again very soon.